You're listening to Trade Secrets, a podcast from Travel Weekly and Travel Age West. Thanks for tuning in. While you're at it, please check out our other podcasts, The Follow and Humans of Travel. Every week on The Follow, Travel Weekly's editors, journalists, and special guests will go behind the scenes of the biggest travel stories and trends. Each month, Humans of Travel features conversations with exceptional people in the industry who have compelling stories to share. Find them wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Emma Weissman. And I'm Jamie Beseda. And this is Trade Secrets, a podcast from Travel Weekly and Travel Age West, where travel advisors ask questions and we answer them. This week's episode is a little different. Last week, we had a great conversation with Ronnie Chima, the owner of Chima's Travel. Chima's Travel is an agency that specializes in culinary travel and tours. In our last episode, which I encourage you to go listen to if you haven't already, we answered questions about finding experienced culinary guides, the best under the radar foodie destinations, and more. But Ronnie has an interesting story about how she found her way to the travel industry, and we decided to release this mini episode all about her journey to travel. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we did. So I'm curious, can you talk a little bit about why you love travel, why you love food and, you know, what made you put them together? Yeah. So uh, I used to be an art director at the Food Network. And during my time there before, I mean, I was just an eater. That's (laughs) it. Um, I wasn't a foodie, a gourmet or whatever. I would sometimes cook, but most of my meals came from uh, the test kitchen or whatever was left over on set, then I would just bring that home. Oh, that sounds like a great gig. (laughs) It was an amazing gig. I I never had to go to the supermarket, but I loved the supermarket. But anything that was like left over from the shows, if it was in abundance or they didn't need it, or if it was about to expire, I can take it home. During my time there, I ended up for five years, I ended up learning a lot about food. And I used to ask for it my meat well done all the time. So well done, it needs to be burnt. And that was because that's how my mom ordered her food. When they were making family meal in the test kitchen, uh, they were making lamb and I asked for it to be well done. And it felt like a record stop. There was a screech, a plate broke in the background. Someone's hitting the floor. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I was like, what happened? Like, I don't know what just happened. And they would tell me, uh, yeah, no, we're not cooking it that way. This is how we're going to cook it and you're going to enjoy it. And I did. It was incredible. I had duck for the first time. And of course, that was rare and bloody. I think I had a lot more bloody food, rare and bloody food at the Food Network um, than uh, anywhere else, even in like my now life. Yeah, I even learned that I was allergic to pumpkin seeds there. Oh, no. Hmm. So, yeah, I learned. <laughs> Learn the hard way. Like I had a feeling. So here's the thing. I designed all the fake food packaging that you saw on the TV shows. So if Rachel Ray pulled out a box of chicken stock and you didn't recognize the label, I designed that. So I would get the scripts beforehand, which aren't scripts, they're recipes, but they're broken down of when is what's going to come out? When is she going to use this and this and that? I had a feeling I was allergic to pumpkin seeds. And I avoided them and I saw them on their recipe list. They were making a mole sauce and it had pumpkin seeds, pepitas. I was like, okay, great. I'm not going to take that meal home. 
I'm not going to eat that. Now I know not to touch that. They pull the the food off the set and they're like, hey, guys, who wants to take this home? I'm the first one to raise my hand. And I didn't even take it home. I ate it there. I got sick and I needed Benadryl. I needed something. And then I learned that the production coordinators are trained to make a trachea out of a big pen. And they said, you better get an EpiPen or else I'm going to have to do this to you next time. And I'm like crying, like, okay, I'll make sure to get an EpiPen. You've traumatized me enough. I'm good. So it's just such an educational experience. (laughs) You learned so much. All around. The way I got into travel is, well, first off, I grew up with parents that said travel's a luxury. No one can afford it. Which is funny because we also traveled a lot as kids. So <laughs> I don't know what was going on there. But we'd always say at the Holiday Inn because, of course, that was geared towards kids. I would maybe just go to Puerto Rico. I'd go to Cancun because a friend's brother can hook us up at the Westin Hotel. Not anymore. Nobody reach out to me about that. I can hook you up <laughs> in other ways, but I can't get you friends and family discount. And so, like, I... I do that. And that was like, I went to Puerto Rico twice. I went to Mexico twice. And that was kind of it. Um, And I thought that's all I could really do. Mm -hmm. And then my cousin, Nomi, was in a band. Some like really rich, famous Turkish artist was obsessed with my cousin, obsessed with their music and flew them out to Istanbul for a performance. She reached out to me to ask if I'd be open to going and being their photographer. I paid my own way to go to Turkey. I had never thought about going to Turkey. Well, when she asked me, I also looked at my um, our production schedule and we were just wrapping up Guy's Big Bite. And I had, I think, two months or something, two, three months where there was nothing happening. And then I'd come back for a show. So that was the best part of working there because I was perma freelance. So I was a permanent freelancing art director where I worked for two weeks, had off for two weeks, worked for a couple of months, have off for a couple of months. So I'd make a ton of money and then blow it all. When I started traveling, I blew it all on travel. But in, in between the time, I'd always pick up freelance jobs. So with uh, Turkey, I saw that I had all this time and I was like, oh man, the, the flights are probably going to be like $1,200, $1,300, $2,000. And they were $700 round trip. So I was like, maybe this isn't going to be such a bad idea. Like I can do this. So then I went to Istanbul, met the band there. Getting there was a nightmare because it was a brand new hotel. I to this day have no idea what the what the hotel was. Um, <laughs> but it was super like weird artsy. So like there's a video of a woman in the elevator who looks like she's whispering and then a cat walks across the screen and then it goes black and you're like, what was that? It was just such a weird hotel and I wasn't used to that because again, I haven't really been traveling. So it was really difficult to get to the hotel. Very confusing. The guy didn't know where to go. I was lost. I didn't have cell phone service. I finally get to the hotel where my cousin and the and the band are. So I'm sharing a room with her. And she thought I was dead, of course. She's like, great. Now I'm responsible for Ronnie. Her family's going to kill me. <laughs> like, it was this whole thing. That night, they went out. I, of course, you know, I was exhausted. My legs were swollen. It was my first time traveling that far. So I'm like, I'm just going to stay here. It was terrifying for me because I am so ready to go out and eat. 
because I was so hungry. I want to taste something new, something different. And I'm also allergic to sesame seeds. Oh, no. So sesame is just like all over like Turkish cuisine. Mm -hmm. So I went to some place right across the street from the hotel. I tried to communicate with them what I wanted. I just said, okay, nope, forget it. Okay, I'm done. Bye. And then they started laughing. And I know it was all in my own head. I totally like manifested that situation. Went back to the hotel, started crying, ate food from the mini bar, told my cousin, I'll just pay her back for that. So that was my first, and I call that my first international adventure because Mexico is really easy for us to get to. Mm-hmm. I count Turkey as my first international trip. When I got back, oh no, I didn't get back. I changed my flight <laughs> and I stayed longer. My cousin and the band got kicked out of the hotel. So I had to go out on my own. And that's when I, I had my first hostel experience. In, and it was in Istanbul okay. in a beautiful hostel that was so perfectly uh, located, but it, it would, yeah, I, there were bed bugs and I didn't find out until I brought them with me to Italy. It, it's funny. Oh, I just realized that I always joke about the travel bug bit me, but no, it was a bed bug that bit me. And <laughs> I changed my flight instead of going back home. I was like, I need to go to Italy. I'm so close. I have to go. And then I'm like, you know what? I might as well go to Barcelona. So then I just hopped from Istanbul to Florence, Florence to Barcelona, and then I went home. Then I was broke. So then that one experience in Istanbul where you walked out of that restaurant crying, were you able to kind of pick yourself up? And then when you went to Italy and Barcelona and and the rest of your travels, Mm -hmm. have those positive experiences associated? Oh, yeah. So so what ended up happening was – and this is how I – really where I ended up with my business too, was because of this experience. Because I was in a hotel, I couldn't really connect with anyone else. And the band would perform at night and sleep during the day. So then I would be so afraid to then go out on my own and go explore. I'd wait for the band. Going out with them, exploring with them, it felt a little bit more comfortable. Then they spent like two hours at a record store and I wanted to kill myself. I'm like, Ronnie, just leave the record store. And when I did that, I had so many magical experiences. I realized like these little bits of magic were happening when I got out of that, my, I want to say comfort zone, but even being with the band and being in the, in that, in the record shop forever and waiting for them wasn't comfortable either. It's like, just move. Don't be afraid. Just take action. And then when I went to the hostel, there were so many women that were just like me. They were on their own. They were exploring. They were having adventures. So then we'd team up. Then we'd go explore together. So then I found this like, okay, I see if I'm at a hostel. And that's another reason why I changed my flight and then decided to go to Italy and then Spain is because um, if I'm at a hostel, I'm more likely to meet like-minded individuals. Mm -hmm. We can go explore with each other and neither of us would be alone. So you, you went on this epic trip. You came back. Is that when you decided to start an agency? No. Oh. Um, I, was still, I was still at the Food Network. Okay. I was still at the Food Network. Um, it was just, it was my dream job. In 2010, I was like, you know what? There's so much time off and I, I think I, I'm done with the Food Network. I want to go try something else out. So then I picked up a design job, a freelance design job in Bangladesh, Dhaka, Bangladesh. And I was there on a three-month contract and uh, three months was enough. 
So I did not renew my contract after that. And I came back. And what I realized was, because my focus was, I want to travel for work. Mm -hmm. After going to Turkey, Italy, Spain, and then went home. And a month later, I finally went to India to see my grandmother, who I haven't seen since I was two years old. And I showed up at the age of 27. I needed more. So I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, how can I travel for work? So I thought maybe picking up design jobs around the world. So then Dhaka Bangladesh happened. And then I'm like, oh, no, I just don't want to design anymore. So then I went back to the Food Network um, where I had already trained somebody to take over my my, my spot. And then um, at that point when I came back, they actually needed two designers. Great. So then I was welcomed back and the other person was still there. And I was like, I really want to travel for work. The Food Network sent me to LA. I worked on a show. It was Guy's Big Bite because they moved it out there. And then I was like, this is what I wanted. I manifested this. I'm traveling for work. This is wonderful. Then I was like, no, I really hate being at the Food Network now. So the second I realized that, I quit. They had no problem with that because they already had their (laughs) designers. It wasn't the end of the world. Yeah, I wanted to travel for work. So then I applied for teaching jobs overseas. I looked at au pair stuff and I'm like, I don't want to take care of kids. Went to Korea, had the time of my life. It is such an incredible destination, especially for food. With Korea, that's when I also realized, okay, it is just travel. I don't want to teach especially the kids who speak better English than me. They corrected my spelling twice (laughs) in a year. And that's embarrassing. So I was like, I'll just teach you pronunciation and numbers. You don't really know your numbers. You have a hard time with that. So let's, let's learn that. But yeah, then I came back to the States and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I just knew that I really wanted to be in travel. I didn't know how, I didn't know where, but there was this sort of thing because I had just turned 30, 31 and There was this idea that I had to be an adult. I have to get a real job. I can't have fun anymore. I can't be reckless with my money. What can I do here? So then I was looking for design jobs. I was unemployed for eight months, which has never happened. I've always been in, I've always been employed. I found myself sleeping on my, in my parents' house, in the living room behind the sofa. And I was sleeping on a cot for eight months before I found a design job that I was also miserable with. I waited for the full time. When they finally offered it to me, six months had passed and I was miserable. I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to be here. Let me think about it. And then that's when they let me go. So I thought I was going to be unemployed again for another eight months. And I spiraled out like, this is it. I actually moved out of the apartment that I was in because I was afraid I wouldn't be able to afford the rent, move back in with my parents. I ended up meeting this guy during this time, this transition, whose best friend was a luxury travel consultant. When I met her after him and I broke up, see bad, even if you think something's bad, People, oh, my ex was horrible, da-da-da-da-da. Something comes from every experience because not only was he the worst thing to happen to me, he was the best thing to happen to me because of the fact that I got to meet her. She was dating and now they're married. Um, Her wife had contacts at travel leaders and it was pro-travel at the time. 
And I asked all these questions. She connected me to all these different people. And actually, I, I could say her. It's Beatrice Mercado um, from Bennett Mercado. Mm-hmm. And she connected me to all these people. She had lunch with Laura D'Angelo at Pro Travel. They talked about the, this next program that they were doing to train new agents. And then within two weeks from being eight months unemployed, Six months of being employed and miserable, two weeks of being unemployed and being trained to be a travel agent. That's amazing. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. I didn't know travel agents were still relevant because, mm-hmm. I mean, I used Hostel Booker to book myself, looking for air on Expedia or Orbitz or whatever. I'm like, who would use a travel agent to plan their adventures? And now I'm answering that question for clients who are like, why would I use you when I can do this for myself? I'm like, oh, I know. Mm -hmm. Trust me. I completely understand because I've been there. All I knew is my end result, my life's goal and mission, it needs to be in travel. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I need to focus on travel. And then this is where I ended up. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. It is so funny how so many things in life, you know, it seems like it's the worst thing at the time, but some of the best things can come of it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You learn something from every experience, every relationship that you have. That about wraps this episode. Thanks so much to Ronnie for joining us. Thanks for listening to the special episode of Trade Secrets. Join us again on Monday, June 7th for our next episode, all about group travel. If you'd like to get in touch, you can always email us at tradesecrets at travelweekly.com. Check out Travel Weekly's flagship podcast, The Follow by Travel Weekly. A follow, spelled F-O-L-O, is a journalism term that means to follow a breaking news story with more details and analysis. And on the Follow podcast, our reporters and experts will take a deep dive into the biggest stories and trends of the week. Subscribe to get the weekly follow or go to travelweekly.com slash podcasts.